Welcome to the Inside Edge. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley here with you, and we're going to be joined this evening for a roundtable discussion about the Blue Jackets as we have reached the All-Star break. Jeff Rimmer and Jean-Luc Grandpierre will be joining us as we go along here tonight. The Blue Jackets finished off the quote-unquote first half of the season, if you will, with a loss 8-4 to on Monday night at home to the Florida Panthers. The Blue Jackets had won back-to-back games prior to that, but they finish on a losing note, and that's what they have to think of as they go through the break. They'll be back in action next Tuesday night in Washington. But at the beginning of the season, the four of us got together to talk about the Blue Jackets roster and what we thought we might see from it. Now we have seen for a half season, and we're going to go through it again. Jean-Luc Grandpierre will be joining us in just a few minutes, but right now let's start with the forwards as Jody and Jeff come in to join me. Who's been the biggest surprise to you at forward uh who who's a guy that has overachieved or or has just done some things that maybe you didn't expect them to do jody i'll start with you well for me it's got to be cole sillinger i mean the way he came to camp the way he inserted himself the way they were looking for a reason to get him uh you know or or, or move him along waiting for that dip uh it's not there i mean he is earning ice time he's now killing penalties uh he's getting tested in roles they understand at 18 he's going to be part of the now I mean when he was out with COVID they missed him I mean that's a that's a true testament of what he brings and how much they trust him already so I love how quickly he earned that confidence of the coaches I love how he's inserted himself in the lineup I think it's so encouraging for him he didn't have to go to world juniors you know not that he had to he probably wanted to uh in some way but after you get past that and the decision is made uh he got to that point and they said no you're staying here so those are all feathers in his cap. So he's had a very good year segmented by trying to make the team. Uh, so sorry, trying to get to the big camp out of Traverse City, trying to make the team, trying to get past the 10 goal mark, and then really probably trying not to go to World Juniors and the team keeping in the, in the National Hockey League. So he's done it all. And, and for me, he is the uh, the biggest surprise in this, in this team right now. All right, Jeff, it's your turn. What have you got? For me, it's a tie. Uh, between two veterans, one Boone Jenner, the captain. I mean, who would have ever expected him to have the offensive numbers, leading in power play points and goals, and uh, showing that leadership by his actions on the ice. And the other player, and yeah, it's a bit of a surprise here, a homegrown talent, uh, Corrali, exceeding expectations. And he's become uh, not only a key player on the team, but he's become a leader, doesn't have a letter on his jersey, and you don't necessarily have to, but uh, he and Boone Jenner, for me, have been the biggest surprises for different reasons. Yeah, and I agree with you on the Boone Jenner. That was going to be my guy because a couple of years ago, we saw him score 30 goals in a season, and I really thought those days were behind him, but he does have the chance to do that again this year. Uh, He takes on that captaincy role, and really from day one, he has just – uh, led by example, as we expected that he would. He's not a vocal guy. He just goes out there and he plays hard. And and again, Jody, when you look at his goals, um, you know, very seldom do you find those goals coming from further than six to eight feet away from the front of the net. I mean, Boone Jenner is the proverbial go to the front of the net guy and get the job done. And that that's what we've seen out of most of his goals this year. And that to me has been a really pleasant surprise because I didn't think that I would see him score 30 goals again, I, or 25, or, you know, I mean, obviously 20's going to get there for crying out loud, but, you know, 25, 30 goals. I mean, what a boost to not just for the team, but for him personally to know that he still can bring that kind of production. Absolutely. Before I get to that, 
you see what Rimmer did there? I mean, you asked for one surprise and he took two and then you got kind of, you had to piggyback <laughs> yeah, on his. Right. <laughs> hey, I like to get, Rimmer. I like to get my money's worth. How's that? Yeah, you got it in there, but you, you guys are both right. I mean, great arguments there. We didn't talk about Voracek. I mean, we didn't know what was going to come back here in Columbus after this guy was here and spent a decade in Philadelphia, but what a pleasant surprise. I think we've talked about it you know, every time we're together about, the impact of Jake Voracek, but I like your two picks Rimmer and your piggybacking uh, Bob <laughs> off of uh, Boone Jenner, because you're right. I mean, you give him the captaincy, the landscape looks a lot different here in Columbus uh, than we were used to the past three seasons uh, in all directions. And he's just come in and I go back to that game in New Jersey where he comes off the bench and willed. they needed a goal. He willed his way to the net and put it in the net. Like, like, to me, that was like, he, and he's done it a number of times this season. He get he knows what's needed. He goes out there, and it's like he's so determined, and somehow he gets it done when they need it. So, good job, and uh, I agree with you guys. What about wow. – uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, let's talk about the other young guy here, uh, uh, Igor Chinikov, who is uh, – you can just see this guy picking up confidence as he goes along here. In these last couple of games – Brad Larson has put him on that line with Sean Corrali and Eric Robinson. He did that with Alexander Texier earlier in the season, and it really turned Texier's game around. Uh, I don't know if he put Chinikov there to try to have the very same effect on him, but if you look at the last couple of games leading into the break, maybe it is having that kind of an effect. Yes, there's no, uh, there's no doubt that playing with Corrali has uh, really helped Chinikov and his, uh, his confidence in my belief, but uh, remember, this is a guy that was drafted by the Blue Jackets in the first round. And other than Jarmo Kekalainen and his coaching uh, or his uh, scouting staff, no one really knew uh, much about Chinakov. In fact, when the Jackets made the selection, there was uh, quite an uproar <clears throat> among those that were uh, involved in the draft coverage. But uh, he has stepped in. I think that uh, Corrali, who, as uh, you mentioned previously, helped by uh, Texier, uh, obviously, uh, I think you could even throw in Eric Robinson, who's excelled in that role on the left or the right wing, wherever he has played alongside Corrali. But uh, Chinikov is a pure goal scorer. I think with him gaining the confidence, we all know about his, uh, his shots and the selection that he has, either a wrist shot or, or a, a slap shot. And I think as time goes on, you're going to see him excel even more this year and and beyond that, he's a goal scorer, and that's something the Blue Jackets need. Jody, I want to ask you about a couple of other guys that have been hot and cold throughout the course of the year. They've been playing on the same line a lot, especially recently, Jack Roslevic and Max Domi. Um, where are they, as you as we get to the break and you look at them, uh, have they achieved what you thought they would at this point in time, or have they come up a little bit short to this point? And uh, hopefully, they, if they have, they make up for it on the other side of this break. Yeah, you know, it's it's two guys we hold with high expectations because, you know, Roslovic comes in and he gets a, a really elevated role. He's getting an opportunity on power plays. Uh, he's getting five-on-five five ice time. But two guys that are very similar because you know it's there. You know they have the skill set to do some really good things. And there's times when the team loses and you look to these players and you think, ah, too many turnovers or not the right play at the right time. Uh, trying to do too much. And sometimes that happens with players who uh, have that skill set and still haven't, um, you know, put the, you, you get thinking about yourself a little bit and how you haven't scored or you want to do this, or you want to score this shift. 
And that's not how the game works. The game works as you take care of your details as far as what's asked of you in the defensive zone, the neutral zone. And if you get a chance in the offensive zone, you know, you have the skill to bury it. I like the way Max is playing and Jack recently. Um, I like the consistency of playing on a line. I know Max is, and, and Jack are probably two players that would rather be in an elevated role. Okay, be honest. They, they, I think everyone has that feeling that, you know, I should be on the number one power play. I should be on the number one line. But right now it seems like they're taking what's given to them and they're going to um, try to make the best of it. So for the Blue Jackets, uh, I think they've underachieved a little bit, but you can see something coming with both guys. Uh, both guys are in the talks and, and you can hear rumblings outside the, the Blue Jackets organization of possible trade. And when players see that, sometimes, you know, um, it really grabs their attention. And, and um, you know, you try for Jack, I would think he would try not to get traded, but we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, I think any team that's at the bottom third of the league has players that are getting targeted. So whether there's something there or not, I'm sure we'll talk about trade sometime with rumors, rumors, but. Um, those guys to me have underachieved a little bit, Bob, to answer your question, but of, of late, I feel like they're coming on a little bit. I got a question to ask Jody uh, about Roslovic here. Is it difficult for Roslovic and quite frankly, any player to play in his hometown when you think in terms of friends and family and pressures and expectations, is there extra pressure on Roslovic? Not that, uh, we need to make an excuse for him, but I'm just wondering if that plays into uh, his on-ice efforts? Well, uh, if you're not as defined as Sean Corrales with, you know, Sean Corrales went to Boston and really, and we talk about it all the time, he had a defined role. I mean, he knows what's expected of him. He knows what he has to do to be ready for a game. He knows when he goes on the ice, it's very simple. And I feel like uh, when you have your defined role, I don't care what profession you're in, and especially in professional sports, you know, you, you always put that ahead, but you, you're always very clear as what, what's expected of you, and you're clear with people on the outside what's expected of them. You know, kind of, it, it makes things simpler. With Roslovic, he's different than Sean Corrales. So, um, you know, I still feel like he's in between what he what he is some nights and what he, he needs to be. Um, you know, I love the way he skates. He plays with his head up. He can attack guys one-on-one. -on -one. He's got a lot of great things there. But sometimes, you know, when it's not as defined, you can get going too many directions at once, and that's on the ice or off the ice. So it can be tough, Jeff. And, you know, there's talk of Johnny Goodrow going back to Philadelphia and you know, Mike Trout was the big free agent uh, that uh, everyone thought was going to go back to Philadelphia and play for his hometown team growing up. But you know what? To your point, and especially in Philadelphia, friends, family, media, all the stuff that he doesn't have in Anaheim with the Angels as one of the best players. And You know, we, we see him from time to time. We know how good he is, but it's not every day for him. He can he can be have live a normal life away from it and then go home and visit his family. You know, that, that, there's, a, there's a lot to it. I'll answer your question that way. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of extras all the time uh, with your friends, your neighbors, your childhood uh, kids growing up, your teachers, you know, whoever it is, they all feel like they have a piece of you and they should because they're proud of you. But, you know, with that carries, you've got to make sure your business is 
uh, within the rink is taken care of. So when you leave, you know that that's not a worry or a concern and keep it organized. You see what's going on here, Jeff, don't you? What's that? Well, I mean, we, at the end of this, when we do it, we want to do it with a kind of a rumor segment and, and Jody's already brought up a couple of rumors. I, I think he's trying to preempt you in the early part of the show and, you know, try to take away some of your thunder at the end of the show. I'm not, I'm just oh, saying, yeah. I'm just I saying. I know all of his rumors the last two months. So I just, I'm baking them one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can handle it. In fact, the more he brings up uh, the rumor talk, the better things will be when we get around to it. Because, uh, hey, we know the trade deadline is like uh, Christmas and opening up gifts. We might as well open up gifts all year. Wouldn't you like to open up Christmas gifts 12 months a year? I certainly would. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So that's the forwards. We've covered the forwards. Coming up next, we're going to bring in the hyphenator himself. Jean-Luc Grandpierre will join us, and we'll talk about the defense of this Blue Jackets team and where it is as we hit the all-star break. You're listening to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. The Blue Jackets in the midst of the all-star break. We're going to be back in action next week, next Tuesday, as a matter of fact, in Washington to take on the Capitals. Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley, Jeff Rimmer, and Jean-Luc Grandpierre. We are all here roundtable style to talk about the Blue Jackets. At the beginning of the year, we set up what we thought that they might be. Now we're talking about what they are and what they could be from here on out as we reach the break. And we talked about uh, forwards in the first segment. It is time to go to the blue line. And Jean-Luc Grandpierre is the, uh, you're the expert on the blue line, right? I just want to double check that. I don't know if I'm the expert, but I definitely like to talk about defense, Bob. <laughs> All right. Well, you're defense, going, going into the season, there were many, many questions when it came to the defense. Um, how many guys were going to be in the mix? Who was going to be the top six? Uh, who was going to play with Zach Wierenski? And here we are at the all-star break and there are many different answers to all of those questions right now. When you look at this defensive core, uh, what have you thought in the first half of the season? Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, that's my first assessment uh, because there were so many question marks unknown on certain players. You know, we're talking about Andrew Peak, Jake Bean and, uh, Boquist, Adam Boquist, who are three, you know, let's call them newer defensemen in the NHL. And we didn't know much about Bean and Boquist. And as far as Andrew Peake, because of his limited time with this Columbus Blue Jackets team, we didn't quite know how he was going to, first of all, if he were even going to make the team. But second of all, what kind of impact he would have on that blue line. So a lot of surprises, that's for sure. Is Andrew Peake a top pair defenseman, in your opinion? I don't know if he is, but he definitely looks like he's trending that way and does not look out of place whatsoever. And I think that's the key. We all knew Zach Wierenski was the number one defenseman. And Zach played with Jake Bean uh, for most of the season. And then now Andrew Peak is bringing uh, that physicality with Zach because Zach, let's not kid ourselves. Sometimes when he's on the ice, you can see other teams taking a run at him more and more now. And I feel like Andrew Peake is giving him a little bit more room and a little more liberty for Zach to really explore the offensive side of his game, which is what, you know, the coaching staff and the fans and the players want him to do. And uh, Andrew Peake brings that stability uh, and that physicality as well. And he's playing big minutes and does not look out of place. And to me, that is so impressive for his young age. 
Jody, it's funny how the game works. We talk about it all the time. You know, there's a, there's always that next man up mentality when guys get hurt or, you know, in this season, guys get put on the COVID list and they can't play. And for Andrew Peak, that's kind of what happens. All of a sudden, you know, you got Gavrikov and Boquist out of the lineup at the same time, and you've got to shuffle things around. He gets the opportunity to move up and play with Zach. I mean, again, as John Luke said, going into the season, we were wondering if Andrew Peak was going to be in the top six. And now we're wondering if he can stay in the top two. Well, you know what's interesting about opportunity? I hear that saying a lot, next man up. Um, but it's it's like if you're a professional athlete or you're working to, to in, a, in a group where you, you know you should be playing in an elevated uh, position and you do get the opportunity, like Andrew Peak right now, he's playing through it. You know what I mean? He's playing most, it seems like every week you're seeing, oh, career high minutes, career high minutes. I mean, John Luke, that would be a dream, right? I mean, I know as a fourth line forward, if I had an opportunity to play second line minutes for a month and a half and be like, well, you weren't perfect tonight, but you're doing it again tomorrow. That's the advantage of being part of a young group, especially a decor, learning on the fly. And then when you do get out there, look at some of the careers that have been made for defensemen who've got to play with elite defensemen like Zach Wierenski. If you can settle in there and be smart enough, and I like John Luke's point that he opens up a lot of ice for Zach and he can play defensively, kind of like an anchor, this guy could have an amazing career as, as, you know, the simpler he gets. So the opportunity as an athlete, some guys, and we know many guys, all four of us, that never got the chance, never got the chance to get called up or never got the chance to play on the power player, you know, but that's because you're a part of veteran teams that never saw it. So this right now, if you're a young player in the system, you got to be so excited at these opportunities that they're giving out. And, and you know, John Luke, I was just mentioning you like that. Just think about those chances. I don't know if you got one in your career, but you know, it's uh, it it does a lot for your confidence in a, in a short period of time. Yeah, it really doesn't. Uh piggyback on what Jody just said you know you, you look at the, even Jody's career when you first came with the Blue Jackets you knew there was a lack of physicality yeah. on this team and you jump on that opportunity but you didn't do it like three nights and disappeared and with Andrew Peak, it's really easy for a young guy to come in and say oh now I've made the team watch me change my style now I'm going to be the next Zach Wierenski he's really sticking to that recipe that got him up here in the lineup night after night. And that's a really hard thing to do for a young player. So that's what impresses me the most. And Jeff, we're talking about Wierenski so much. Let's actually talk about Zach Wierenski, who I think has really upped his overall game this year. You know, there was a lot of question uh, about, you know, did uh, Seth Jones make Zach Wierenski? Uh, could he exist in the same realm without Seth Jones being his partner? And, he talked in the summertime about how much he was looking forward to the opportunity to show how good that he actually is on his own. And I think as we hit this all-star break, he has pretty much proven that uh, there is life beyond Seth Jones. Zach Wierenski can handle it as the number one defenseman on this squad. You know what? Uh, you're bang on. And for me, there are many levels uh, to the talk about Wierenski. Number one, uh, the commitment that he's made to Columbus after the trade of Seth Jones, which uh, certainly the Jackets did well, getting four quality pieces in return for Jones, who wasn't going to re-sign with the Blue Jackets. And then the statement that uh, Wierenski made uh, in signing the long-term extension that doesn't even go into effect until next season. So you mentioned Seth Jones and playing behind Seth. 
I think uh, that that was motivation going into this season for Warinsky to prove that uh, he didn't have to take a back seat to Seth Jones when he was here. And not unlike the situation with uh, uh, Boone Jenner, who's made captain and uh, exceeding expectations and, and taking the captaincy and, and running with it and leading by example, both on and off the ice, I think Warinsky is doing the same. Uh, with so many question marks going in to the season on the blue line, uh, how would Peak respond to being uh, told that he needed to be more of a physical presence if he wanted to uh, step up in the lineup? Uh, Boquist coming over from uh, Chicago, the first round, high first round pick that uh, certainly came with uh, quality credentials, uh, some question marks about his uh, willing to compete I think that uh, he certainly tried to do that here with the Blue Jackets and, and I believe uh, exceeded expectations and not even to mention the skill set that he has moving forward. Then Andy Bean, a second round pick, uh, the Jackets trade in, in the Seth Jones deal to acquire uh, Bean. And here's a guy that expected fully to go to Seattle in the expansion draft. It didn't happen. Uh, obviously his... Uh, his future in Carolina somewhat in doubt. They didn't protect him, and they expected to lose him. And then the surprise pick of uh, Geeky uh, off the Carolina team. So uh, Bean comes in here and uh, tried to make uh, his presence felt, paired for the most part with uh, Zach Warinsky, and now having moved around of late and then getting hurt in the Montreal game. Uh, it's a situation where uh, I believe the guys that uh, were question marks going in have uh, maybe exceeded expectations to this point in time and have shown that uh, each has a higher ceiling that they could achieve. And John Luke, we cannot finish a segment about the defenseman on this team without talking about Vladislav Gavrikov. We haven't even brought up his name. Here's a good reason for that. All the things that Jeff just said, this guy just does his job and he does it night in, night out. You expect it. He doesn't make many mistakes. So there's not a uh, he, he's not glaring in the way that he plays. He just gets it done, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets it done, and he's the one that kind of got Andrew Peak going into that role. So him and Peak played a lot of minutes together, kind of like what Savvy did for uh, Vladislav Gavrikov early in his career. And it was a down year last year for Gavrikov in his play. Uh, and this year, yeah, he's back with that big smile and old Gavi is back and uh, the Blue Jackets can be happier. He's solid defensively, physically. And, you know, you look at his point total, I think he's got 15 or 15 or 16 assists on the year. So offensively, he's not a guy that jumped off the screen, but he's probably him and Zach are the two best defensemen as far as getting their shot through from the point. And you pick up a lot of points just getting that puck on that creating rebounds especially when you have a guy like Boone Jenner in front. Yeah, and, and he's also good at finding that kind of soft spot. He'll slide into an area where nobody's picked them up, and, and then he gets that shot. And the other thing, John Luke, both of those guys are also very good at pinching and getting back to make the defensive play in the other zone when they have to. Yeah, exactly. And pinching is a big part of the game in today's NHL, obviously. And you need timing and you need support for from the forwards. And as a defenseman, they always told us, never trust a forward. Sorry, Jody, but it is a fact. And <laughs> for, these defend <laughs> for these defenders, they're doing a really good job at, you know, reading what the, the forward group is, is doing. Because you can't just pinch because you decide to pinch. You have to make sure you have support. So there's a lot of reading involved in it. And obviously the Ds couldn't do it 
without the support of the forwards. But if you look at Gavrikov, very rarely he gets caught out of position just because he reads the play really well as far as what kind of support he has. Jody, I think the forwards on this team do a pretty good job of that, don't they? And, and sometimes it's guys that you wouldn't even think about peeling back and going to that uh, blue line, and, and and they're always there. And I'm talking about the uh, Lines and even the Chinikovs. Those guys are there. You know what? It's completely different than when we played in a sense of, yes, I mean, it is such a non-negotiable for being there. It, it, the value of keeping a puck in the zone is so high. You know, and, and I remember being a forward and, the puck goes back to the D or there's a 50-50 chance and the puck is out in the neutral zone. The next thing you're playing defense, boy, when the Blue Jackets are on the toes or any team is on their toes, their D are up, like John Luke said, because the forwards are coming back. So I don't think it's even a matter of question the forwards trust. I think if they're not back, they're in big trouble. You know, we used to cover the slot and if the defensive would go down, we'd cover and, you know, kind of like foreign territory. But now it's automatic back pressure, and, and teams are so quick to jump to offense that what if you're not doing that, you look sloppy and the, the other team looks great. So I tell you, it's a relentless work for forwards, but spend a more, lot more time committed to covering back so that the D can be jumping and anticipating more. All right, we've covered the forwards. We've covered the defense. We're going to go in between the pipes as we continue with the inside edge here on 97.1, the fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley, Jeff River, Jean-Luc Rampierre. A little roundtable discussion to tell you where the Blue Jackets are as they hit the All-Star break. They'll be back in action next week in Washington to take on the Capitals on Tuesday night. We've covered the forwards. We've covered the defense. Let's go to the goal crease, gentlemen. And uh, it has been, actually, it's been a little bit more crowded than uh, people thought that it might be this year because of the injury situation and the COVID situation and the Blue Jackets have used three goalies this season. Uh, of course, Elvis Merzlikens established himself early as the number one. Jonas Corposalo had an injury in camp, was a slow starter this year, but has done uh, much better and looked much more like himself as of late. And then Daniil Tarasov got a chance to make his National Hockey League debut, and we saw some really good stuff out of him. But, Jeff, is this as you look at the goaltending situation right now going into this break, is Elvis still the clear-cut number one? And I'm asking that just because, you know, it's it's been kind of a seesaw here lately, and, and Corpus Allo is coming off a couple of pretty good performances. Well, he has, and he's needed it. And the fact is, when you get a chance to play, as Corpus Allo has in back-to-back -back games and being healthy and, and away from COVID and, and ill, uh, he's shown us uh, the flash that uh, he has as, uh, as expected as, as a National Hockey League goaltender. And it really bothers me. You know, I, I hate to uh, jump into the uh, the trade rumor segment here and rumors, rumors, but the fact of the matter is his name has been mentioned here for the better part uh, of this season and even going back to when he initially signed his contract only to see Elvis uh, parachuted ahead of him with a longer contract and at better uh, terms. But uh, it bothers me that uh, people around the National Hockey League have not given Corpusallo his due and saying, well, he's not the goaltender that you trade for. Edmonton's looking for a goaltender. And yet, wow, we're not really uh, high on Corpus Allo. And yeah, his numbers aren't great. He's appeared in 17 games. He's still below 500 with six wins and, and eight losses, despite two wins over the Rangers and Montreal here. His goals against average is still high. 3.84 is his save percentage, not even at 900, at 886. 
but he's a better goaltender than he has shown. And I think if he was in a situation where he was playing more often or perhaps a number one goaltender, he would prove that he's capable of handling that. And we certainly saw that in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, not too long ago, that he's certainly uh, a quality goaltender and uh, worthy of, of maybe number one status. Elvis got off to a terrific start. No question. The Jackets uh, win, what, 12 of the first 18 games? He went in the majority of them. But his numbers have, uh, have fallen off. He's appeared in 26 games. He's only three over 500 at 14 and 11. His goals against average, I never thought we'd see it as high as it is at 3.18. His save percentage has gone up because he's had a couple of quality games, including that 62-shot performance uh, not too long ago, uh, within the last 10 days, that he stopped 56 shots to set a franchise record. But uh, Elvis can certainly play better. Uh, he isn't uh, anywhere near as effective, I believe, in goal as he was in those first 18 games and in the starts that he made. And I think both goaltenders have uh, room to uh, improve on their numbers. There's no question. John, look, how much of those numbers and how much of the, the play of the goaltenders uh, has to do with the team play as well? As Jeff said, when you were 12 and 6, everything was going right. Everything they touched turned to gold. Uh, it was hard to mess anything up. And, and that was that was true from starting in the goal crease and moving all the way out to the forward position. But then it got a little bit tougher. And, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for Corpus Allo because I feel that if you go back to the early part of the year, some of the worst performances this team had were the nights that he happened to be in goal for whatever reason. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of a bad luck, I guess uh, you could say. But, but now it's, uh, you know, has, has the team defense waned a little bit here in these last couple of weeks? Is that contributing to both of these guys having the numbers that they have, in your opinion? Uh, I think it has to be, it has to do a little bit with everything. So, the, you know, the goal, this team here, we're talking about consistency with our young team that struggle with consistency. And for the goaltender, it's been the same. You know, whether you look at Elvis or Corpy, uh, you know, Elvis through 26 starts, I think he's one of the goalies that have been pulled out of a game the most this season, if you look. So, it's like it feels like it's going to be a one goal against game or it's going to be four in the first period. Right. And that's kind of like the team in front of them. So but a, num a true number one goaltender, you want him to step up and be that guy that can keep you in the game. And we've seen that from both of these guys, just not on a consistent basis. And uh, to piggyback on what uh, Rims was just saying about Corpus Allo and teams not giving him his, you know, true value. It's, you know, it's the old, uh, what have you done for me lately? And for Corpus Allo, unfortunately, he hasn't had consistent start. And both these guys in their mind want to be number one. And if you play like Curtis McElhaney, you have to admire his career. To be able to play one game out of every 10, 12 and stay focused is really hard to just even feel the game and feel the puck. And for these guys, they're not used to it. And Corpus Allo is a guy that, you know, until he gets three starts in five games, he's not going to feel the puck. So it's a tough situation for both of them. And that's why over the last two years now, or three years, we've been talking about one of them being traded away. And yet there they are still here with the Blue Jackets. So sometimes uh, I guess... You know, they say a team with two quarterbacks is not a good thing. Two starting quarterbacks is not a good thing. And that may be the thing here in Columbus, which, you know, it's hard to have two goaltenders that are, you know, realistically could be a number one somewhere in the league. 
And Jody, speaking of number ones, uh, as I mentioned, we did see Daniil Tarasov a little bit. He got hurt and he is still hurt. So he's not playing, but boy, in the games that you saw him play, I thought he played well enough to make you wonder, is this a number one guy in the not too distant future? First of all, his size, it's six foot five and his athleticism. It just, uh, that just comes screaming off the page at you. All you have to do is watch the guy play. You want to talk about the, the eye test? He passes the eye test every time. Well, who doesn't love a quarterback controversy or a goaltender controversy, Bob? And when you throw another name in the hat after John Luke and Jeff had great points about two number one goalies, two guys that could play over 50 games in a season, you hear about this guy, Tarasov, he comes in, and boy, he looked comfortable in the net at the National Hockey League uh, level. So that's a good problem to have. You know, I think we have an emotional connection with Corpusalo. I think he's a guy we've seen grow up right here. You know, he was a backup to Bobrovsky. He went down and backed up Forsberg for the Calder Cup championship with the Monsters. Um, you know, he's done some good things here, and now he's kind of getting pushed aside. And, you know, competitively, Elvis has played really well. And, you know, you got to like the way he loves to compete. But John Luke and Jeff both touched on it. When you're part of a young team, there's unpredictability in front of you in the way they play. You know, I thought Bobrovsky was here with a great time when Tortorella had the defense and the centermen and the wingers as a well-oiled machine, blocking shots, predictable play in front. So now they, they're called upon more and more on how many spectacular saves have we seen. And you look at the Carolina win, uh, 6 nothing, where Elvis was out of his mind. And then you look at the Rangers win where Corpy let in a couple, especially that first one wasn't very, you know, it wasn't a strong shot. And then he locks it down. And, and you think of the 10 bell saves and the posts that are hit. Well, that's a goaltender for a young team where I think Elvis, I think they both love being the guy that makes the difference, especially John Luke touched on it. You know, Corpy's got to go in in a backup role. So you don't want to just be vanilla and get the win. You want to show and he probably wants to get out of here to tell you the truth. I mean, what, you know, he's heard what we, what we've heard. He doesn't want to be a backup. He wants to go to an established organization that's counting on him to be the guy uh, to backstop them. So he's probably trying to make those saves and grinding through And boy, they've been fun to watch, but I agree with you all that the numbers, it has a lot to do with the team in front of them, you know, loose coverage on mad rushes, uh, giving up rebound chances, you know, you know, you look at a lot of these and then run support. So if you're a goaltender and you look up and your team has scored two goals or less in the last seven games, which it was just before the last two, you're thinking going into that game, oh, I better get a shutout tonight. You know what I mean? So you're, you're with that mindset, you know, there's different dynamics throughout every game and every game that they approach. So with the youth and the way they've played, it's a nice combination, but it's fun to see these goalies get rewarded with wins and, Tarasov with that injury, boy, we got to see more, Bob. But, yeah, he could be that guy, and the Blue Jackets are probably hoping that direction. Yeah, it's um, maybe a glimpse of the future that they didn't think they would see. Didn't necessarily want to see this year, but it happens. All right, we've talked all about this uh, Corpusalo, and he's been rumored to be traded for the last two years. Is he going to get traded? Will it be at the deadline? Is he going anywhere? Is anybody going anywhere? If so, who is it going to be? Jeff River, I hope you have your notes ready because coming up next, we're going to give you a chance to spew your Rimmer's rumors as the Inside Edge continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets in the midst of the All-Star break. Zach Wierenski will be 
representing the Blue Jackets at All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas. This coming weekend, the Blue Jackets are now back in action on Tuesday night next week in Washington against the Capitals. That will begin a five-game, 11-day road trip right out of the break. It's time right now to pick the brain of, well, a guy that has just been coming up with rumors for his entire career. And today we're expecting some really big ones. We're expecting cutting-edge rumors from Jeff Rimmer. So, Jeff, trade deadline now is the next thing we'll look forward to coming out of the All-Star break as the games begin once again. And uh, what, what do you see as some of the big stories? Well, thank you for the introduction, but I do want to say, uh, I can't look at my computer here. So I've looked at my phone here and I'm looking at daily face-off, okay? And uh, one, of, uh, one of the areas that you can go to is the trade analyzer and trade predictor. The only problem is you've got to subscribe either $6 a month or $30 <laughs> for the season. So if you guys want the rumors and Jeff Rimmer's rumors or Rimmer's rumors, you're going to have to pay for them. I mean, if somebody, We do. Like, we do. Uh, Just about uh, every day we pay for them. <laughs> Come on, Rimmer. <laughs> All right. All right. So you don't have to beg me. I love talking about, really, the most... I guess, uh, expected and uh, look forward to day of the season. And it's not opening night, it's trade deadline day. And the only issue that, uh, that I see with trades not being made on trade deadline day is the fact that so many teams are up against the cap. But having said that, there are a number of great rumors out there for potential trades and let's start with philadelphia and the flyers and perhaps one of the uh, most coveted players if you can afford them uh moving forward uh even though most of his contract will be up in in, in late march and that's uh, claude Giroux. and uh, chuck fletcher the general manager and the team's president held a lengthy press conference uh in fact uh, the team president said uh Chuck Fletcher has an open checkbook, but what he has to determine first and foremost is the future of Claude Giroux. And as uh, he eloquently, Chuck Fletcher that is, stated, it is 100% up to Claude Giroux. Now, Nathan McKinnon is a player that uh, uh, certainly would love to have a Claude Giroux there. And of course, we came from Montreal, which may be the rumor capital of the national well maybe toronto beats them a bit but uh drew in was out of the lineup uh, for the blue jackets game this past weekend and jonathan drew in is certainly a talented player and he played with mckinnon so i wonder if uh, Giroux gives a word that he'll make a move and willing to leave philadelphia even if he resigns and he has that ability to go back again after maybe getting a chance to win a Stanley Cup with Colorado, which uh, I really believe Colorado in the West and uh, certainly Florida in the East uh, for me are the two top contenders for the Stanley Cup this spring. So uh, I think Colorado is going to have the pick of the crop. And there's two players that I certainly, if I was Colorado and Joe Sackick with uh, Chris McFarland is very able and, and very much involved uh, general assistant general manager. I think those two are going to have the pick of the crop here as Colorado tries to win a Stanley cup. 
as far as the Blue Jackets are concerned, they've got some players, uh, obviously, whose names have come to the fore, most notably uh, Roslovic and Domi. Uh, we talked in the previous segment about Jonas Corpusalo. Will he be traded before the deadline? I'm not quite so sure. And, and based on what I said uh, in the last segment, the fact that he really hasn't put up the kind of numbers that uh, maybe uh, would warrant a trade for what the Blue Jackets would be looking for in return, a high second or perhaps even a first round pick. I don't know if there's a team out there that'd be willing to give the Blue Jackets what they're looking for. Another name that's come up uh, here in recent days off the Vancouver Canucks is JT Miller. And I am told that my good friend uh, out in Vancouver, now the president of hockey operations and uh, ultimately oversees uh, the entire operation. He's a, a guy that's a willing trader. And I think that uh, uh, you're going to see Vancouver make a number of deals. They'd like to unload a couple of defensemen that are high priced. We could start with uh, Ekman Larson. Here's a guy that's got a big ticket and still has uh, years left. But Jim Rutherford would like to move that contract, but he might be a little more inclined and easier to trade a JT Miller who's coveted the New York Rangers are certainly a team interested in his services. And I think that uh, we're going to see some trades perhaps as even as early as this week made by Rutherford and the Vancouver Canucks as he tries to clear some cap room to make uh, some acquisitions of his own here, either before the deadline or, or certainly sometime this summer. Jody, I guess I, want I to ask... could go on forever if you want. Yeah, oh, I know you could. I, I trust <laughs> me. You don't have to tell me. Uh, but that, that, that is good, good stuff. stuff. Jody, Jody, I want to ask you specifically, you know, you were a teammate of Claude Giroux when you played in Philadelphia uh, with the Flyers. Um, he's the captain there, obviously a huge part of the Flyers organization. Uh, what do you think? What, do you think he stays? Do you think he decides to go? What's going to happen with Claude Giroux? No, I, I think he goes. I think that they've gone this far. I think they're playing so poorly. I think you've been there. You know, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals back in 2010. Um, you know, I just think, no, I think he moves along. I think he sees it as an opportunity. There's 31 other teams. Um, you know, he's kind of spinning his wheels there. I guess, you know, there's talk he could go back. I think we've seen that with, uh, you know, some players. Every organization goes that, but, uh, that route. But I think that once players leave, they go, or maybe goes back and retires there. I don't know. but. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for a guy like Claude Giroux, who just played out his uh, his big contract in the National Hockey League. You know, he goes to con a contender. Whoever gets him, Bob, I don't have to tell you this. They're getting character, competitiveness, and uh, just a, a, one of those teammates like a Jenner, you know, the intangibles, the way he includes people, the way he works um, for an undersized guy. He's already accomplished a lot. Go get a Stanley Cup. That's my advice to him. Uh, and, and finish that career the right way. Yeah, that'll certainly be uh, something to watch there. And Jean-Luc, Jeff said about, you know, with, with the Blue Jackets, and Jack Roslovic's name has bounced around. Is that premature, in your opinion? I mean, he's still a young guy. I know he's you – know, last year he was great when he came over, and this year he's, he's had his struggles. Is it is it too soon to give up on a guy like this? <sighs> That's a tough one. It, it depends on the return. Uh, the only thing that I think for the Blue Jackets they do not want to see is you trade a guy that's about to hit the prime of his career and he flourishes incredibly somewhere else. And you go back in history and you look at, the, you know, even like Carlson that went to Vegas, nobody saw that coming anywhere in the league. But 
you know, these trades, sometimes you look at them and you're like, oh, if I had to do it over again, would I do it? And for Roslovic, I personally think you give him one more year, but again, he's due for a new contract this summer. Now, do you go bridge? Do you go long-term? So there's a lot of decision that needs to be made by the front office as far as Jack Roslovic is concerned. You know, Max Domi is a guy that I could definitely see them moving. Uh, you know, I would be probably, I'd say, 75% because he's, he's heading into the last year. We don't know exactly what he wants to do and if teams are interested. But for Roslovic, uh, I'm not quite sure, Jody. You let me know what you think, but uh, I'd be yeah. a little hesitant on pulling the trigger. But again, I'm not in that position. No, I think you bring up a great point. And you know what? He might be a guy that would benefit from one-year contracts for a little bit. You know, I know there's only a certain amount of time you could do that for, but I like what you just brought up there. It made me think. You know, a guy like that who's kind of in between where he's at, you give him a long-term deal, boy, he might get cozy and you might see that dip, but. I like the anxiousness of playing and playing for that contract and, and give him that one year and see if he even raises his value or finds his role with this team very defined because that's what they need here is players who can really click with what is expected of them. And, and Jack seems to be getting closer to it, but maybe that extra season would help. Jeff, and, uh, uh, oh, sorry, oh, go ahead, John. One more thing about this, and and that's the thing too, is as you look at your future roster as you're building here, you know, they're talking about uh Ken Johnson coming here now and they want him to play center. Do they put him in center immediately or not? Because now you're looking down the center, you, it puts you with Boone Jenner, Cole Sillinger, uh you have uh Corrali, right? And then Johnson. So now all of a sudden you have four center. Is somebody willing to move to the wing or do you bring up uh, Johnson slowly and put him on the wing up to start? So there's a, you know, we have to think about the future years as well as these prospects are coming into the organization. You only have room for four centers. And I know, yes, it's nice to have five, but realistically you can't sign a Jack Russell to be your fifth center sitting on the taxi squad. That's a good point. Jeff, uh, when let's get back to the trees. Yeah, well, I want to I want to ask you about Max Domi. If Max Domi is not going to be a Blue Jacket, where do you think that he would fit in? And uh, you know, what what playoff team could he help? Well, uh, the story's been out for uh, a good four to six weeks that uh, uh, one team that's uh, certainly looking at him and they feel he'd be the per perfect Boston Bruin is uh, the Bruins. Uh, they'd like to uh, make a move or two. They've they, I think they're going to make a trade of uh, DeBrusque before the trading deadline. And uh, Jody's made the point, and, and he can certainly make it here today. We talked about it privately. He thinks that Domi on a good team would maybe uh, excel and uh, be a key contributor. So Boston certainly is looking at him. Uh, they might have some room. Nick Foligno, who's had a fabulous career, uh, signing that uh, two-year deal with Boston. And uh, he's been in and out of their lineup. He's out of the lineup right now. Uh, he's had to deal with injuries all season long. Uh, he's a guy that knows Domi. And uh, he's a guy that uh, might see Domi maybe take some of his ice time away if, if he was to go to Boston. I've got a couple of other uh, late rumors, but let's deal here with Domi. And uh, Jody, you, you believe that, uh, I hate to put words in your mouth, but you said no. it privately. So let's talk about it here. And that is that Domi on a better team would maybe excel. 
Well, I know just he's never played on that elite team with a strong locker room. And I think that would be a key for Max because, you know, those veteran guys, the, the superstars, whether it's Matthews, Marner, whether it's, which I know he can't fit in there, whether it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, whether it's there in Boston, down in Tampa, out in Colorado, he's got such a good skill set. I think it'd be a smart pickup by a really good organization who's going for it. All right, Jeff, what else you got? Well, I want to get back to uh, a guy that we, what's that? I hear your keyboard going. Well, I know because I'm trying to get the picture back here on my screen. (laughs) I can hear you, so you're fine. Just go ahead and talk. (laughs) Anyway, uh, a name that has been prominently mentioned in trade rumors is Chikrin, uh, the Phoenix Coyote, who has a contract that is uh, very likable. He's under contract for another two to three years at a very favorable price of uh, over $4 million a year. Uh, Chikrin is being coveted by a number of teams. And one of them we saw here uh, this week in the name of the Florida Panthers. And they have thrown a new name out there. Bill Zito, of course, the general manager. Uh, he was not the general manager when uh, Dale... Talon, then the GM, selected Owen Tippett, highly regarded player. We've seen Tippett play. He's an offensive threat. He's played 39 games with Florida this season, 13 points, five of them are goals. Uh, He's a player that could be uh, involved in a trade for Chikrin. And I say Chikrin, who's a South Florida kid, came up with uh, uh, our own uh, peak uh, playing their minor hockey together in, in, uh, in Florida. They're great friends. Uh, it's been rumored that the Blue Jackets have interest in him, but uh, they're not willing to part with the package that, uh, at least as we sit here today, for what it would take. They want a, a first-round draft pick. They want a top prospect, and they want a top young player that's currently on the roster. And I think that uh, Florida could make that deal happen I'm not so sure at this point the Blue Jackets could or would, would being the operative word, uh, in, in making that trade. So Chikrin is going to be moved. I'm told that he would like out sooner than later. It may not even wait till the deadline. Uh, and, of course, uh, I think the team would like to make that move as well. And they're willing to take assets back. They're also going to be, I believe, Arizona. They've done it already to acquire more draft picks. They're going to facilitate and take some money back on a potential three-team trade so that's something to watch as well they will have nobody left (laughs) the Mm -hmm. Arizona Coyotes nobody I mean you you talk this is almost worse than an expansion team you're talking about a team that is basically just going to build itself from the draft right yeah and they're uh they're still not as bad as well they don't care they don't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah good point and they don't care. They don't care because they're only going to play in a 5,000-seat arena next year, if you believe the stories out of Arizona. They're going to play in, in a college rink with 5,000 fans. Yeah, and I no saw on Twitter. that happened. I saw on Twitter somebody said they won't even fill those seats. So I don't know if that's true or not. But, uh, <laughs> well, it was on Twitter, so it has to be true. No doubt about yeah. that. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. I think we have covered it all. And uh, Jeff, I know that you're just getting started with the rumors. I know you just can't wait. It's coming out of this break and going into the, uh, it's not a marathon anymore. It's a sprint. As soon as we come out of this thing, uh, headed toward the trade deadline and, and see what all the teams are going to look like. And more specifically, see what the Blue Jackets are going to look like 
on the other side of that. I hope that you enjoy the rest of the break. All of you, thanks to Jody and Jeff and John Luke for being with me today. I'm Bob McElligot saying so long and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan.